So today on the podcast is Nicole Alvarez. Nicole and I work together at Family Service League, which was uh, it was a clinic, outpatient mental health clinic that I was at before I started my private practice. And I, Nicole and I connected there and I wanted to bring her on. I wanted to bring you on, Nicole, I'm speaking to you. I wanted to bring you on uh, the podcast because I follow your Instagram. I see the message that you're putting out into the universe, into the Instagram world. And I think there's some positive stuff on there that the people that listen to my podcast would benefit from. So maybe you can just give a little background about who you, who you are, what you do, and what, why you want to be here today. Sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, a, it's been a pleasure for me watching your journey unfold um, and watching you come into your own. Uh, you've done such an amazing job establishing this platform for yourself, and I'm definitely honored to have this time with you. Um, so I am a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I don't really see myself fitting a traditional kind of box as a therapist. I like to try different things. I like to incorporate different strategies. Um, uh, I'm a firm believer in, in meeting the client where they're at. So if, if something that I'm doing, you know, doesn't fit their flow, then I will adjust accordingly. Um, but one thing that I have found um, a lot of people can connect to is uh, m- movement of the body, right? Um, if, if we're feeling stagnant or there's anxiety or stress and, and it's kind of grounding us into this spot of immobility. Um, I, I encourage people to, um, move their way out of that very literally. (laughs) Um, so I, I don't know if you have any questions so far about that. How does it, how does it work for you personally? Like, uh, how do you use the movement to move your way out of something? Um, so I, Personally, I, I have a really long history of um, anxiety and kind of panic type of symptoms. Um, and so one thing that I have found worked for me and has worked for me over the years is if I'm feeling any sort of intense anxiety, um, I physically force myself to get up and move. Like I, for me, I, I tend to experience that a lot at nighttime. And so it makes for a really restless night's sleep. Um, and so I will get up and stretch or I will get up and walk the house. Um, it, it's, it's a little different, um, when I'm actually physically exercising, because that's a whole different, like I'll go to the gym or I will go for a run or a walk. But in those moments of when the anxiety comes over you so intensely and so quickly, and you need kind of like that quick fix, um, I will do something like that. Similarly to, you know, meditation where you're doing a breathing exercise or something of that nature. Sure. I, what comes up a lot in my work as a therapist and as a mindfulness teacher, but more so as a therapist is this concept that anxiety is energy and there's an episode on my podcast about it i think it's called the changing your relationship with anxiety it's um the the anxiety being energy that is 
it's latent emotion, latent energy. So if we have anger, if we have a sadness, if we have any kind of emotion or excitement, or, you know, it could be good too. And we do, we don't channel it in an effective way. If it doesn't move through us and out of us and it stays latent in us, then it can turn into what falls under the umbrella a lot of the umbrella term of anxiety. If we are, unable to channel it, it stays in us and it will turn into anxiety. But if we are able to channel it, then it will move through us and out of us and we will be released from that. And that's why I think we feel calm after we do, let's say you do a yoga sequence and then you're sitting in the lying down pose at the end. I forget the actual, what's the, the, the lying down at the end pose? Do you know what that's called? Savasana. Okay, when you're sitting, when you're lying down in that, and there's, for me, my experience has been like a calm, that is a visceral felt sense of this concept that we're talking about, that we literally, the, the energy that is latent in us and becomes anxiety is moving through us and out of us through, you know, you know, using calories, expelling energy, and then it's out of us. And now what's left in us is calm, is stillness. What are your thoughts on that? No, I I 110% agree with you. And I think, um, you know, now, especially given just the state of the world and and the pandemic and everything like that, um, we, the, the rates of, of depression and anxiety and, um, uh, people who are suffering with different, different mental health diagnoses, even, even the suicide rates, like they've skyrocketed. Um, and, we, you know, we're creatures of habit. So when we were forced into isolation at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, quite literally ripped from routines and uh, left having to redefine our, our existence as we knew it, um, it's really no surprise that these numbers went up the way that they did. Um, and so naturally, like in, in this moment where we're feeling tied down and by all these external factors, we forget like what we have control over. And it's these little things like being able to get up and move our bodies and seek for this, as you said, release um, that, that have the power to ground us. Um, and I think it's just such, I, I hopefully that those, those people who are tuning into this um, are, are accepting of the gentle nudge and encouragement on ways that we can begin to independently manage ourselves. Um, because it's, it's possible, but we, we forget that we're able to do it a lot of the time. Gentle nudge. How about we go more into that? What, what would you tell someone that's listening and they feel anxiety and they're looking for some way to channel this? What would you tell them? Um, I, I think like anything, it'll start with a conversation, really uh, figuring out what that person is interested in because it will look different for everybody. Like for some, it could be a 20 minute walk or a yoga sequence for other people. It could be a five mile run or, you know, an hour of just recklessly throwing weights around in a gym. Um, So I I think it'll really depend on what's going to fulfill that person. Um, And then just encouraging them to do that. You know, it doesn't have to be something so outlandish. It could be something that you know, they've, they've done at previous points in their life, but have gotten away from and just need the reminder to like, hey, you can do this. Hey, you can put aside 10 minutes of your day to, you know, get this in. And, and you'd be surprised how much better you feel after doing it, you know? What is the, what, 
You talked about not being able to sleep, having anxiety, and then getting up and doing stretches. Mm -hmm. What happens for you in your experience when you are moving yourself out of it, as you said? What, how does that work in your experience? Um, so my anxiety has a tendency to manifest very intensely in my body. So I will get like the heart palpitations and I'll start sweating and I have like the restless leg syndrome that gets really intense. Um, so a lot of times when I allow myself to uh, get into a state where I'm able to release this anxiety or the stress or the worry, whatever it is, um, as you said earlier, I, I end up falling into this sense of calm where I'm just like, I, I feel this overwhelming sense of release kind of take over my body and I'm able to just be um whereas before doing so you get stuck in like the you know the thought process surrounding anxiety and then you start panicking because you're realizing you're having anxiety but you can't necessarily like shake the feeling and you know it's a whole cycle yeah I, I appreciate your honesty about your anxiety personally I think that it's an important part of the conversation for people to understand that people that are working as therapists and mindfulness teachers and, you know, other professions that are, are equipped to understand psychology of the human psychology and how to cope with all this, but there's still anxiety for us as well. I had, a, there was an interview that somebody did with me, which I'm going to be posting on the podcast probably shortly after this one, but he asked me in that, interview like what about you are you stressed during this time and I'm like of course are you kidding yeah. me uh, yeah, yeah of course one thing I, I've learned is that sharing from a place of vulnerability is is what creates connection and um you know we, we can sit here and spew scientific facts and you know speak in our clinical language but people relate to the human experience so I think that'll be the most beneficial when trying to, you know, reach an audience and have them relate to what we're going through. We're at the end of the day, like you said, we're, we're humans, right? We're not perfect. We're all, we all got here somehow, some way, somehow. Um, and so if my experience of, of anxiety and, and how I worked through that and uh, was able to come out on the other side will ultimately help somebody, then I will share. I like that. I like that. What you just said there, that was beautifully said. I think that, uh, it, it kind of encapsulates uh, a message that I believe, but you said it so succinctly. And it's, I, I try to operate from that place as well. Like, of course, I'm stressed also because it's a stressful time. But what can we do about it together? How can we have a conversation about it together? Um, that, that calm that comes from after the, the movement practice, I think it's something that maybe you can't speak of that calm if you're not speaking about it as a response or in relation to anxiety first. So in order to be able to articulate the calm that you and I might feel from a practice that we incorporate in our life, we have to talk about it in opposition to what was there first. So we can't have an honest conversation about how to cope in a healthy way if we're not talking about what it is we're coping with. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. That's nice. <laughs> I'm having a moment. Okay. Um, I had another question in there. So can you share some of the actual 
techniques or, you know, movement that you do or that you help your clients with in your practice? Can you share some of those things with the people that are listening that they can actually maybe apply in their life? Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said earlier, it it really does depend on what the person's going to be most receptive to. Um, You know, I have some people who absolutely hate yoga and will never want to engage in a yoga sequence. Um, I have some people who really think walks are boring and would never want to do that. Um, So as far as giving, you know, specifics, I think that's that's a a little challenging because I I would want it to be something that's enjoyable for the individual that they can uh, engage in that, you know, they're going to be fully open to following through with Hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I I have a comment on that. Um, I'm 31 years old. I understand the benefits of exercise Mm-hmm. I understand scientifically, I understand, you know, theoretically, I also understand in my experience, the benefit of how I feel when I'm exercising. I have tried many different forms of exercise. And what I've come to see that that works for me is changing it is not sticking to one thing, I get bored with movement. And that's why it's, it was important for me in my life to learn a lot of different types of movement so that I can choose one on a particular day based on how I feel. I can go for a walk. I can do a high intensity interval training. I can do a yoga sequence or Pilates, or I can do uh, resistance bands or go for a run or lift weights. All of these things are potential things I can engage in. And it's, It's good for me, it's worked for me uh, to have this arsenal of different things that I can choose from because I don't always feel like lifting weights. I don't always feel like going for a run. So if I know I want to engage in some form of exercise and activity, it's good to be able to check in with myself. What do I need right now? What's going to work for me right now? What do I feel like doing right now? That's what I would say for me has been a helpful tip in terms of actually creating a sustainable exercise uh, regimen in my life. Yeah, I think that that's a great insight to share. Um, I I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that. Um, I know I I definitely do. um, And I function very much from a similar place. Um, It's true. Like we, there are some days that I get up and I absolutely do not want to go running. Right. And there are other days that like, I'm just in this, this mood of like having to get out aggression or stress that I just want to go throw weight around, you know? And so I think it's important what you said about listening to, uh, similar to, to meeting your clients where you're, where they're at, but meeting yourself where you're at, um, and, and kind of giving yourself grace and, and saying, okay, like every day doesn't have to look the same. Um, I think the goal is ultimately, um, you know, having some degree of movement sustained over a long period of time. And that some degree is up to you to decide, you know, no one's going to tell you that it's wrong or that it, it, you know, it's ultimately your, your path to kind of figure out. Um, So I actually, I, I thank you for bringing that up because like I said, I think a lot of people are going to be able to, to gain from that. 
Sure. How do you, do you schedule exercise into your day? Is it something that comes up on your calendar? Is it something that's in your, your heart that you just know? Like how does, how do, is it something that you commit to every three days a week, five days a week? How does scheduling work with exercise for you or movement in general? Um, it's, it's funny because I feel like as we're having this conversation, I'm like realizing that I have so many things that I could work on and adjust in my own life <laughs> because I'm like, wow, I actually, I could probably benefit from scheduling it or, you know, telling myself that, uh, this allotted time in the day is for exercise because I feel as though right now I'm in this space and who knows, it could be because of just how things have been with, um, again, adjusting to this new normal that came out of the pandemic and trying to figure out what schedules are going to look like and adjusting working from home and things of that nature. Um, but it's kind of all over the place. Um, some days I wake up and I'm so motivated and I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> and then some days I'm like, yeah, no, we're going to wait till later. And then later <laughs> comes and I'm like, mm, maybe we'll go tomorrow, you know? So there's, <laughs> there's really no, uh, uh, set schedule for me at this time but I do truly think I could benefit from it um okay so I guess it depends on the person I it, am yeah. I am I find that for me when I'm the most committed to an exercise or movement practice it's when it's actually scheduled in my day but that's the case for anything that's that goes for my meditation that goes for reading that goes for you know having quality time with my wife like I I work, I, I'm able to commit to things if they're in my schedule. So mm -hmm. when I have, before I, so my, I have a, uh, my daughter's two months old now and my time in the morning was usually dedicated to exercise, but two things happened. I fractured, I fell down the last step trying to move an elliptical and I fractured a bone in my foot and uh, my daughter was born. So there are things that came up that, infringed upon my exercise time and I haven't been moving as much but I'm starting to heal up and we're starting to get to a, a little bit of a schedule down with like when I'm going to be feeding my daughter when when I'll have some time to to do things for my own self-care so I think like sometimes there are things that we have to navigate but now that the the smoke has cleared so to speak I think it will be helpful for me to find a scheduled time in which I can commit. And also for me, what's been helpful and tell me your thoughts on this is some flexibility. If I say that self-care time is from 6.30 in the morning to seven in the morning, and then I can choose what I want to do with that self-care time. I, if I don't feel like I want to exercise, I can read. If I don't feel like I want to read, I can meditate. If I don't feel like I want to meditate, I could do some movement. And again, it's listening to my body so really I'm not scheduling strictly like I'm running at this time, but what I'm scheduling is self care time. And then I can, I can implement any one of those things into that time slot. Right. I, I think that's a beautiful suggestion, honestly. Um, again, really just, just figuring out what's going to work best for you. Um, but you mentioned something in sharing kind of how you got, how you fell off track with um, your own, uh, time of exercise and movement, you said that uh, two things happened and then you obviously told us about what those two things were, but that that's, that's always going to be right. Like we're always going to have things happen that are going to shake our worlds a little bit. And the, the beauty 
in that is that we have the power to readjust, right? At any given moment, we have the power to kind of realign ourselves. And I think that we forget that a lot of the times and we get so caught up in all of the things that fall outside of our control and all these external things. And we don't allow ourselves to really embrace that, you know, we have the power to make changes like this. Um, and also what you mentioned, giving ourselves some, uh, some like leniency as to what we do with that time. But as long as you're, you're doing it right, it doesn't have to be, I, I think a lot of times too, we have these expectations of how it's supposed to look. And then when it doesn't look that way, we like right. almost get disappointed. Right. <laughs> so, so if we're able to, you know, give ourselves grace in that way and say like, okay, yeah, from six to seven, it's going to be my self care time, but whatever I get around to is going to be good enough. You know? Um, I think that's right. really a really important message for people to hear as well. How do you, when you fall off, when you like, say you have a commitment to movement or self care and it, and it falls out of your life. And there are times when you're not, doing it as much how do you jump start how do you engage with the power that you are talking about to get that to make that change make that shift what what is the insight you've come to to jump start that process hmm. it's an interesting question and i think it it requires a lot, a lot of thought only because it's, <laughs> it's only because it's been such a long process. You know, it's not something that happened overnight. Um, I feel like where I currently am at in my journey, um, it, it took a long time. And so the, the, I'd be maybe lying I if could I ask it. Maybe I could ask it in a different way or, or were, I'm sorry, were you answering? Were you getting there? No, go ahead. What okay. Thinking? What about the most recent time that happened where you, you maybe you fell off your schedule a little, you weren't exercising as much. How did you get back into it? How did you, the most recent time, how did you re-engage with that power that you're speaking about to make these changes? Right. So, okay. Uh, as recently as last month, um, I found myself in, in a rut and, um, you know, we get into these ruts and sometimes it's hard to like see the end. <laughs> and I've been here before, so I, I know how this goes. And it took uh, me, I, I think I went the longest period of time had been like four or five weeks without any sort of exercise or physical activity. And every day I was coming up with excuses as to why I wasn't doing it. Um, and so it took me finding something bigger than myself to... Uh, kind of make a commitment to that would force me to mm. get back into action. And so in this case in particular, I found a um, suicide prevention uh, fundraiser that is uh, currently being run through uh, Stop Soldier Suicide. And um, they were doing a District 100 running challenge, which required uh, you to commit to running 100 miles in the month of November didn't matter, or running or walking, I should say, um, didn't matter how you completed it, just as long as you got the 100 miles in within the month. And so for me, 
I was so like just over everything that I was like, okay, if I could commit to this, it's not, it's no longer about me. <laughs> it's about right. something else. It's and so it, it gave me that motivation to like, okay, start. So today is the third. I, I, after this, I will probably get out and go walk my two miles around the block because I haven't done anything yet today. <laughs> but I've, you know, yesterday and the day before were the first, the first days of the month. And I was able to use that as motivation, motivation to get me going. It's, it's really, um, it's powerful because you're making it about something bigger than you. You're changing the impetus. You're, it is, now you're walking for suicide prevention. It's, I never really thought of it. I've done runs before that were for bigger causes and they, it felt, it changed the impetus in that I was doing it for this cause and it was mm -hmm. easier to stay motivated. So maybe I will, maybe I'll look into something like that. I mean, the reason I'm asking you, Nicole, I, th I hope you know the reason I'm asking you, how do you, how do you re-engage? It's because I'm asking for me, how can I start exercising again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, uh, feeling, but I think a lot of it has to do with the injury right now and I'm getting back into it and I'm putting it in my schedule. That's what I know what works for me. I'm, I'm asking for me, but I'm also asking for people that might potentially be listening. And that's a great suggestion. Looking at a cause that's important to you and signing up for something to, you know, it's, it's to change the motivation or looking at your motivating factor, really understand why, why are you exercising? Uh, for me, it's, it's most of the time for mental health. Yeah. Uh, the endorphins. That's why I'm, that's my motivation for exercising mostly. Yeah. I mean, th that, and I feel like that's subject to change, right? Because there was a time in my life where um, I, I was bringing myself to working out again for myself. Like, and, you know, right now, I needed something else. <laughs> so I, so I, so I ran with that. And the goal is ultimately at the end of the day to better yourself, to be more connected to yourself. Um, but in, in some moments when we're not able to establish that, yeah, sure. Why not look to something bigger than you, you know? Um, for example, um, how are we running on time really quick? Cause I, um, we're, we're good. We probably have another, go ahead. Okay. No, so I was just going to share a quick story uh, because it's kind of relative to what you're saying. And as sure. you're, speak you're speaking about injury and, and coming back off of that. Um, so again, in, in an effort to share from a, from a space of vulnerability, um, that somewhere back between 2014, 2016, um, I have found myself like really spiraling, like just depression, anxiety. Um, at the time I was in a really kind of rather toxic relationship and I was also um, independently processing some trauma that ultimately again manifested really terribly like within my body and so long story short I had gone away to school and um, the ultimate goal was to finish my basketball career but I was so physically weak from all of this um, that I had to give up playing and I just like couldn't hang with the girls I was working out with um, because of how sick I was. And so I had to make the decision to walk away from a game that I loved my whole life. Um, and so for anyone that knows me, <laughs> you know that basketball has always been such a huge part um, of my life. And so this was like the ultimate 
form of grief. Um, but not only was I grieving basketball, I was also grieving the ability to use my body in a way that I had once been able to so effortlessly prior to that. Um, and so after transferring home, um, I had a really reckless summer that, <laughs> that year. And then I decided to make a commitment uh, to heal. And so for me, that meant truly embracing the connection between mind and body and getting myself to a place of connectedness because I was so, so disconnected. Um, and while I never did competitively play basketball again, um, I did start running and lifting and doing yoga. And one of the biggest accomplishments that I had at that time was getting myself back to a healthy weight. And that felt amazing, you know? Um, so I mean, this obviously didn't happen overnight. Um, I still very much struggle with staying consistent and um, honoring the connection. Um, I'm actually in a way very grateful that I'm hearing myself retell this story because it's serving as a reminder that like the work is far from over, you know? Um, so I, I think just being able to, as I said earlier, there are going to be times where like you're able to get to the grit and say, no, I need to do this for me. And then there's going to be other times where you're like, no, I need to look above and beyond and, and just get started. And regardless of how that looks, just get started, you know, one foot in front of the other. The journey of a mile begins with, no, a journey with a single of a thousand step. miles. A journey yes. of a thousand miles begins with a single step. With a single step, correct. Um, I, have, I have a thought on that, uh, the sh short answer and then we're going to be, we're, we're approaching being out of time. So I'm going to respond here. And then I want to ask about how people could, you know, kind of find you on your platform and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But I, what you just said there, it reminded me that where your growth came from and your connection came from was really a point of pain. And when people ask me, why do I, why did I come to mindfulness? The short answer and there has to be two versions because the long answer I could write a book about, but the, the short answer is anxiety. It's pain. It's trying to cope with darkness. That is, and from that came my connection with mindfulness, you know, self-care, self-compassion, compassion for others. Really, it has blossomed into something way bigger than just my anxiety, you know, compassion for all beings. Like it's, it's become a, a bigger journey. So, but it was birthed from the seed of just like my own personal anxiety and your journey, which is still blossoming right in front of, you know, our eyes here, right in this podcast is like your journey came from, it started or, or maybe before, but uh, there was this element of pain and from that growth and connection with yourself. So that is a reminder of like the yin and yang, so to speak, the, the dark side of the coin and the, the light that comes with it. I think I hear, is that your dog shaking the chair? <laughs> yes, it was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Uh, I have two, Bella and Miko. Hey, Bella. Hey, Miko. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I just wanted to say, well, uh, one, thank you for, for coming on. I appreciate the honesty and the openness. And the. I think that it's really, there. there's a lot to learn here. There's a lot of insight that can be gained for people listening. But if people want to, like read more about your story your platform your just connect with you in another way are you open to like sharing your i don't know what platform you may be on but do you have a way for people to connect 
So right now I'm actually taking a break from social media. Okay. So I, cool. I'm in a, I'm in a, in a cleansing period, but um, I, I'll definitely, uh, when the time comes and I, I sure. do plan to do a lot more with social media, um, we'll, we'll reconnect and I'll, I'll put that out there for you. And uh, if anybody has um, any questions or would like to touch base, you can always uh, reach out to me and I'll, I'll see if I can get in touch with them directly. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I wanted to say, Thank you again, and I, I don't. I hope it's not the last time we talk on the podcast. We will. Um, I will be reaching out in the future at some point because it's a fruitful conversation. And uh, appreciate your time. I appreciate yours as well. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Nicole.